Ashe. We'll pour to the creative spirit, the great Ashe out of which we all emerge. Ashe. We pour to that creative spirit by whatever name we know it, whatever name you hold in your heart, in your mind, whatever name your ancestors gave, whatever name you learned as a child, whatever name you believe it to be, whatever name you believe it to be in spirit or in science. Ashe. We pour to the first human beings who came into existence on this planet, the first human beings who raised the first structures, who cooked the first meals, who taught the first children, who had the first children, the first Africans, the first people who stood upright, who walked, who figured out how to stay on this planet, who figured out how to pass that knowledge on to their children and their children's children, the mothers and fathers of civilization. Ashe. Ashe. We pour the next libation to their grandchildren, their children's children, those who raised the great early civilizations of Kemet and Kush and Monomotapa, the great medieval civilizations of Ghana and Mali and Songhai and Kanem-Bornu. We pour to those who great the great civilizations of the Igbo people and the Hausa people and the Kikongo people and the Mambara people, the great Monday civilizations, the great Kikongo, the great civilizations of Southern Africa, the Bantu people, the great civilizations of Southeast Africa, the Dinka, the Shilluk, the Noor. We pour to those millions who raised the foundations from which the world would learn what it meant to be human in the world, I say. We pour to their children who upon the arrival on the shores of people they had never seen before, found themselves captured and marched overland, found themselves perishing by the millions before they were held on the holding cells and the open air pens on the coast of West, Central, Southern, and East Africa. We pour to the ancestors who did not know as they were stripped of all clothing and sent denuded into boats, packed like animals, and strewn their bones across the floor of the Atlantic and the Indian Ocean. We pour to them who in the last moment on Africa grabbed the sand and grabbed the dirt and put it in their mouths and understood that the only thing they might have to preserve their place in that continent was their memory of that place and their ability to pass it on to their children. We pour to them. Ashe. Ashe. We pour to those Africans and their children who finding themselves cast adrift in Santiago, Cuba, who found themselves cast adrift in Puerto Spain, Trinidad, and Puerto Prince, Haiti, who found themselves cast adrift in New Orleans and Charleston and Mobile, who found themselves cast adrift in Salvador, Bahia, who found themselves cast adrift in Barbados and the archipelago that formed the wayward and the windward coast. We found them in these places, learning Portuguese and Spanish and French, whose often first words was, oh my God, oh Madre de Dios, who found themselves praying to survive and pass on to their children the memories. We pour to those ancestors who are represented in the thousands, buried in all the square miles of where we stand, and who sit here, buried before us in 400 caskets, forged of wood from West Africa, with the Dinkra symbols. Each one of them, each woman, man, and child, symbolic of millions, the children of those who could not be killed, we pour our shame. We pour to their children who somehow survived the hells of enslavement and fought for emancipation in the Caribbean, the French, British, Dutch Caribbean, who fought for emancipation in South America, who fought for emancipation in Central America, who fought the struggles we refer to as the Civil War in the United States, who came out of that, marched out of enslavement through Reconstruction and found themselves making great migrations, eventually ending up in places like New York. Their children's children, who making away for themselves, became our great-great-grandparents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our parents, 
Those who, when the first bones were discovered in this space, held their hands and said, stop, no more. We are here to speak for those who can no longer speak with their mouths. We pour for those ancestors, some of whom came to Howard University in 2004 and followed these caskets all the way back to New York. We pray to the great ancestors, the ones whose names we know and the ones whose names we don't. And at this moment, as we pour this libation, I would ask anyone who feels comfortable to say the name of someone in your bloodline who is no longer physically here, but who you know made it possible for you to be here. Go ahead, let's hear the names. Haywood Carr, Porter Griffin, Evelyn Glover. We pour to the names that we hold collectively. Ganga Zumba in Brazil. Toussaint Louverture, Jean-Jacques Dessalines, and Henri Christophe in Haiti. We pour to the great Avengers, Nandy of the Maroons of Jamaica. We pour to the great ancestors, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Frederick Douglass. Say the names that you study. Who are the names of the ancestors that you have come to hold in your heart and your mind as you hope that you can do what they did for us, for your children and children's children? Let's say some of those famous names. Malcolm John, Henry Hamer, John Henry Clark, John Dr. Jackson, Muhammad. Jacob Carruthers. And finally, two final libations. We pour to those who make it possible for us to do what we do. We pour to these rangers who stand guardian over this sacred space. We pour to these Africans and these folks who have come from Howard University, the staff, the faculty, the administrators who brought us here today to bear witness. This is not a libation, but an affirmation because their hearts still beat, their tongues still speak, their minds still think, and their minds still wish the best for us. We pour for all of those people who surrounded us on this journey today and made it possible for us to be here. We pour this affirmation of thanks, Ashe. And finally, we pour to your children's children's children who will one day stand on this space and speak your name. Ashe. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. You are listening to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. Hotep and greetings, my brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Black Reality Think Tank. I am your host, Dr. William Rogers. We're so happy to have you here this evening with us again. Uh, we have a very dynamic program for you. Uh, we are going to talk about something so significant to all of us and to our culture. And so, again, we thank you for your patronage uh, and all of the things that you do for us. Um, this is on the timeforanawakening.com network, which operates on the Black Talk Radio network system. Uh, 
And as I said, we are here every Tuesday. We are part of a wonderful lineup of other programs that we will introduce to you at the top of the hour. <clears throat> but tonight we're going to talk about reparations. Uh, and we're going to look at a very dynamic piece of scholarly work that was recently done uh, to sort of give us an opportunity to make this a reality. And that's what we're here tonight to give you a taste, an introduction of that. And hopefully you have not, if you're not already doing so, can join the bandwagon as we make this uh, reality happen. We are, this is due African people. We know that. We know the struggles and challenges that we've gone through. That's not even a question. And so tonight we want to talk about a logistical process, a uh, very logistical and direct approach that we can use in the uh, acquisition of reparations. So again, we thank you for being here with us. As you know, we uh, normally, this is a call-in format. You can, uh, if you are on the internet, you can call us at 215-490-9832. Or your code 215-490-9832. And you can do this and uh, come on and ask questions to our guests. We have two wonderful guests that are here with us. Or you can uh, just listen if you like, or either uh, you can make a comment. We welcome all of that. And so we're going to be opening up our lines very shortly uh, once we give our guests a chance to lay down the foundation and the framework of this work that they've done then we can see what our audience has to say. As you know, uh, we are always uh, interested in giving honor to those that we stand on the shoulders of. And we stand on the shoulders of greatness, as you know that. And so we do an ancestral profile. Uh, and a lot of times in our ancestral profile, we, we try to highlight um, our people, our brothers and sisters who've gone on uh, they may not have done um, great, great things, but uh, in a lot of cases, they served the purpose. Uh, many, many years ago, uh, one of my relatives, my father, told me this, <coughs> these words, and he said, um, he said, always remember this. I want you to always remember. He says that we all are architects of fate, working on these walls of time. Some of us have massive deeds of great, and some are just ornaments of wine. But nothing is useless, high or low. Each thing in its place is best. And what to some may seem to be an idle show simply strengthens and supports the rest. So we all have a role in this, in this duty that we are here in this life. And so tonight I want to honor an ancestor that may not have been or Harriet Tubman or Sojourner Truth, but she played her role in the history of our people. She provided something for us that we needed at the time. And even though she did not have that grand glamour, when I call her name, everybody on the line that's listening, and I, I would be willing to say that 95% of, of the people will know who she is when I call her name. She was born... Alberta Pearl. She later changed her name to Lawanda Page. She was born October the 19th, 1920. She transitioned September the 14th, 
2002. She was an actress and a comedian, and she was best known for her role as Aunt Esther Anderson in the popular television sitcom Sanford and Son, which originally aired from 1972 until 1977. Miss Page later reprised this role in the short-lived television show Sanford Arms, and then later Sanford. And she also started in the 1979 short-lived series called Detective School. LaWanda Page was born Alberta Pearl on October 19, 1920, in Cleveland, Ohio, and she was raised in St. Louis, Missouri. She attended Benjamin Banneker Elementary School and began her show business career dancing at 15. Page later worked in a small nightclubs billed as the Bronze Goddess of Fire, an act which included Page eating fire and lighting cigarettes with her fingertips. After working on the club circuit where she shared stages with noted comedians such as Red Fox and Richard Pryor, LaWanda Page moved to Los Angeles, California in the early 1960s, where she became a member of a comedy group called Skillet, Leroy, and Company. Skillet was uh, Ernest Skillet Mahan, who was born in uh, 1916, died in 2007. And Leroy was Wilbert Leroy Daniel, born 1928, died 1993. In Los Angeles, uh, Page started honing the feisty approach to comedy that would make her famous. LaWanda Page and Red Fox, who portrayed Fred Sanford, were actually very close friends from the time they were preteens, <coughs> having attended school and grown up together in St. Louis, Missouri. Eventually, before entering the field of comedy, separately, uh, she performed her own stage acts. And during her tenure as a stand-up comic, a career she continued in the 1990s. LaWanda Page was often called the queen of comedy, the black queen of comedy. She recorded several live comedy albums for a company called Laugh Records, L-A-F-F Records, labeled in the 1960s and early 1970s. And under her LaWanda Page stage name, other than the relatively clean what's known as the Sane Advice album, which released two years after the run of the Sanford and Son show, Page's albums and stand-up material were raunchy, often called blue comedy. She was one of the few women who performed extended spoken word pieces in the black signifying or toasting tradition. One release, a gold-selling album, which was called Watch It Sucker, was filled after one of Aunt Esther's character's catchphrases in order to capitalize the newfound television fame. On Sanford and Son, Esther Anderson was the sister of Fred Sanford's wife, late wife, Elizabeth. Paige had been performing her comedy routine in nightclubs at night in St. Louis and then in Los Angeles for several years, but had planned to leave show business to move back to St. Louis to make, take care of her ailing mother. When Red Fox was offered a sitcom in Los Angeles, he brought his childhood friend, Paige, to the attention of one of the show's producers. And after a fight and a couple of changes, he was able to get Esther the role in the 
uh, Paige, Aunt Esther, was a combination of a devout churchgoer and tough-as-nails realist, unafraid to state whatever was on her mind. While her relationship with Fox's character, Fred Sanford, was usually confrontational, she portrayed a tender side when it came to his nephew, Lamar. And many of us remember those days and the whole idea of Fred and Esther uh, together. Paige appeared in an episode of a movie of The Love Boat, which was on television as well. She also was a part of something called the main event alongside of Sherman Hensley. Uh, she was on the Dean Martin show and attended in several his uh, roasts. She appeared in the television show Amen, Martin, 227, Family Matters, and Different Strokes. She appeared on Circus of the Stars as a fly eater in the late 1990s and early 2000s. She appeared in a series of comical church's chicken television commercials featuring the catchphrase, Gotta Love It. She appeared on several tracks uh, with other famous people and was able to expose her comedy and her gift for making people laugh. Paige was married three times, the first being at the age of 14. She died of complications from diabetes on September the 14th, 2002, at the age of 81. She is interred in an outdoor crypt at Inglewood Park Cemetery in Inglewood, California. Paige's daughter, who was the evangelist Clara Estella Roberta Johnson, who also died on June 4, 2006 in Los Angeles at the age of 79. Wanda Page. <coughs> so I wanted to make sure that, uh, we, again, we continue to feature and focus uh, a lot of times those unsung heroes and you must realize she provided for our people an opportunity to release, uh, a release from sometimes the struggles and confrontations of, of life and to laugh and to joke and be able to just look at life from a different perspective for a change. So I wanted to feature her, and I thought maybe that uh, you would enjoy uh, the whole idea of understanding the background of the great Lawanda Page. Okay, we are going to move into our discussion. Uh, tonight we are talking about reparations, and we have two brilliant young men who are here with us. Uh, one is Brother Reginald Muhammad. He is a professor of uh, political science at uh, Clark Atlanta University uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. I don't know if you know or you remember Clark Atlanta was the think tank for the great W.E.B. Du Bois. Uh, he is there in political science, and with him uh, is Mr. Michael Muhammad, I think who was also at Clark Atlanta uh, University as well. And uh, they've done a masterful job here. They've um, sat down and pulled together some research and some documents, uh, a piece that basically gives us a chance to understand the nature of reparations. Um, and it's a part of an organization called the National Reparations Institute Incorporated. The NAP and they, what they have done is identified what would be called the National Reparations Declaration. It is a qualitative and quantitative framework for black redress. 
It is a 58-page uh, publication that was printed in Atlanta, Georgia in 2020. And they're going to tell you a little bit about its printing and how you can get a copy. I have been honored to uh, have gotten a copy uh, from them, and I am so pleased to have been able to do that. But tonight, uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit. Uh, obviously, a subject like this you cannot possibly explore in its entirety in two hours. We're not going to have enough time to do that, and now it's even less than that. <coughs> but we do want to cover some of the main framework of the question. And basically, uh, according to their work, they have said they addressed three areas, and that's kind of what we'll focus on uh, in a succinct way. We'll focus on those three areas. Um, one of them is how America would benefit from complete reparations, number one. Number two, how black America would benefit from complete reparations. And then number three is why complete reparations is essential. I would like to ask uh, our audience that's online now if you could please um, be mindful that your mics are open. They're very sensitive, and I can hear you in the background. And our audience can do so as well. And sometimes that sound gets a little distracting. So if you don't mind uh, muting your telephones, I'd greatly appreciate it. And then when it comes time to open up our mics, uh, we can do that. But right now, I am hearing a distraction, and I would appreciate it if you would, uh, you know, mute your mic. Um, Sometimes I have to do it from here. Uh, okay, um, so that is what we're going to look at tonight. We want to look at those three questions. And then uh, I had an opportunity to get a copy of uh, um, Brother Reginald Muhammad's uh, master's thesis, and I want to just kind of just briefly uh, with you uh, and with him explore his research question that he offered in his master's thesis, which was what would be the most effective model and methodology to secure reparations for blacks in America. And so that's what we're going to deal with tonight. Number one, how America would benefit from complete reparations. Number two, how black America would benefit from complete reparations. And number three, why complete reparations is essential. And then very briefly, we want to look at his research question. And obviously, we won't have time to get through the, the whole answer of that but at least begin some kind of an idea of what would be the most effective model and methodology to secure reparations for blacks in America. And so with that, I want to uh, introduce you uh, to our audience. We have with me Brother Reginald Muhammad from Atlanta, Georgia, and Brother Michael Muhammad. Good afternoon. As-salamu alaykum, my brothers. Wa alaykum salam, how you doing? Doing great. And your audience, uh, just want to greet everybody in the listening audience tonight. Thank you so much for having us. Yes. Uh, we're looking forward to the dialogue tonight and the con a casual, con but candid conversation about reparations. Yes, indeed. And uh, so any questions that you'd like to start with, uh, Doc? We're, okay, we're I will. And I just want to remind our audience again uh, th that this is not a definitive discussion. Uh, it is a um, sort of a, a look at it so that you may want to get into it further. 
and I obviously want to look at the research that they've done, uh, but this is just to wet your tongue, wet your beak, as we say, uh, and uh, yep. realize that, uh, you know, there's, there's some work that is being done on reparations. So why don't we start off uh, with my brother, and let's ask first, what is, the, uh, what is that, uh, uh, the Institute? about how was that organized who is who's a part of that uh the national reparation institute inc uh, and give us a little background on that organization well thank you doc for the question and uh the national reparation institute is housed here in atlanta georgia it is a physical location where we do the research and and, and um and publish uh particularly about reparations for us as a people and uh the the, the National Reparations Institute, it was just formed recently within the last, within about, we own, moving up on a year anniversary of it right now. Mm-hmm. And one of the things as a political scientist, uh, uh, Doc, is that one of the things that I realized in, uh, as a political scientist is that a lot of the um, public policy um, that you see at the state level as well as the national level a lot of that is developed in think tanks where they do the research sometimes 10 years before it ever becomes public policy or law. Right. And, um, and I, my gut feeling was is that if we're going to secure reparations for black people in America, I'm talking about within the next seven to eight years or less, then we have to have a think tank um, that we're doing and compiling research and publishing and advocating on behalf of the masses of the people we got to do that almost full time in order to make it happen. It can't be a part time job where, you know, we, every once, once a week we meet, once every month we meet, and think that we're going to move our people forward in mm-hmm. reparation. Right. Right. One of the things that you mentioned earlier, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is um, about the, the thesis that we were blessed to write um, about 10 years ago. Well, in that thesis, uh, Doc, uh, it has what is known as the collective culture model to secure reparations for blacks in America. Mm -hmm. One of my critiques and criticism of the movement has been that uh, if you ask 10 different organizations who say they're advocating for reparations, ask them about a model and a methodology, uh, then you're not going to, a lot of times, you're not getting a definitive answer. And then again, you're going to get different answers. If you ask black people what reparations is, you're going to get a a multitude of uh, answers and certainly missing and modeling the methodology. But all uh, nations and groups of people who have received reparations in America and throughout the world, there are particular models and methodologies that they have used. And that is to me, my, my position is, is that that's one of the art, one of the things that is missing in the reparations movement is what model and methodology are you gonna to use to actually secure reparations for blacks in America? Right. We've uh, documented the atrocities, we've documented the atrocities well, we know the history, all of that. But again, what model and methodology are you going to use? Mm-hmm. It's like trying to say you're going to build a commercial building and you don't have any blueprints or um, um, plans, um, formal plans, how that building should be constructed. And that's the same thing, I, my criticism and critique of some of the reparations movement. So that's why it was necessary to form the think tank, going back to the original question, and then uh, making sure that we, we implemented and got a chance to expose our people and bring our people in and make them a part of what is known as the collective culture model to actually secure reparations for blacks in America. Right. That's power. And you've done some Hopefully, powerful work. 
uh, as I look through your document and I look through the thesis, you definitely, uh, I have never seen that information before. And I have read a lot on reparations, but this was the first time I've seen it in that detail. <coughs> and, and I really appreciate Thank that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. really oh, praise you, Dr. Praise both of that. Uh, okay, uh, let me. Uh, okay, so we got an idea of what the institute is. It's housed there in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and it's sort of your think tank where you work. I think I had a chance to uh, visit that and see it, and and I love the spirit of it. Yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, that was great. Uh, okay, so um, you have began to make the argument. Now, I, one of the things that I noticed you did say, and you said that throughout both of your documents both your thesis as well as this publication, is that you looked at past organizations and what they were doing and that this wasn't a solid framework uh, for the idea. And I think about that is when, and when you, when, when you said that, and when I read that, I started thinking about some of the organizations that were actively involved. I know you had in COBRA, you still got in COBRA uh, involved. You had INBUF, uh, uh, the National Black United Front was involved in it. Uh, and then I remember the John Conyers bill uh, that was uh, put before a committee. I think it never got out of committee uh, that uh, he had right up until the time of his death. Give me an example of one of those groups and what is it that they did not do or were not doing. Can we first start with the John Conyers bill? What, what was missing? What kept that bill from going any further than where it was? What was the the weakness of that bill? Well, that's H.R. 40. It was known as the John Conyers bill, but that bill has been since John Conyers left Congress a few years back. Sheila Jackson Lee has picked this uh, bill up. H.R. 40 is alive and well. And remember, in 2019, there was, there was for the first time, congressional hearings on H.R. Um, uh, 40. Okay. And again, it was a study bill initially. But now they have moved it to the degree where it's about um, applying uh, and attempting to implement and apply H.R. 40. So it's not just a, a bill to study anymore. And then, too, I want to give credit to all the black organizations, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Doc, okay. for, for the massive work they have done over the years. When you mentioned NCOBRA, you mentioned uh, NDOC, you mentioned um, uh, their host of organizations. I could be here, you know for another uh, 20 or 30 minutes mentioning those organizations, but they all have done a great work. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I'm a part of those organizations that have been members, uh, had a membership in all of those organizations and a number of those organizations, I should say, over a period of time. Right. Uh, but what I'm saying at this point is, again, in my, in my humble opinion, what was missing in it was the model and the methodology for actually doing it. And one of the things, Doc, that we have to do is that we have to consolidate the movement. Uh, one of the pioneers in the movement, Dr. Ray Wimbush out of Morgan State University, um, we were blessed to talk with him uh, some months back during the summer. Okay. And he concluded, uh, concurred with me, is that one of the things is that, is that we have a, a, a slew of organizations doing reparations work, but we're fragmented. And the collective culture model speaks to the fact that we have to consolidate the movement. And so out of the very first meeting that we, we had at the National Reparations Institute here in Atlanta, we, there was a decision made to actually have a National Reparations Summit. And that summit was to bring all the voices at the table. It was not a rally. 
It was not a conference uh, on, on reparations. It was not a rally or a symposium. It was actually a summit, and that was to bring different voices to the table to, to say, now let's consolidate the movement. Because one of the things we know that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad has taught us, that 95% of our problem could be solved with our unity. Mm-hmm. And even with reparations, once we uh, consolidate the movement, that's one of the major steps to, to actually securing reparations by the fact that we uh, consolidate the, the masses. We got the Institute of the Black World doing great work. Right, Dr. Right. Ron Daniels yes, uh, doing great work around reparations. You, you talked about INVA. Um, you talked about INCOBRA. Uh, you talking about the All-African People's uh, uh, Socialist Party. You're talking about the All-African People's Revolutionary Party. You're talking about the New Black Panther Party. You're talking about the Nation of Islam. All of these major organizations and others who I didn't mention are doing great work around reparations. Right. But at the end of the day, Where's the model and the methodology uh, for, for consolidating the movement and right. to making sure that uh, at the end of the day, the masses of the people are involved in it? One of the things that is missing, Doc, in the reparations movement is our, a major youth and student component. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a missing, major missing component. And you know historically, uh, Doc, that all major movements that have been successful have had a student and youth component oh. attached to it or directly involved with the work and in the movement, Always. day in and day out, month after month, year after year. Well, you should look at the civil rights movement. That happened as a result of the youth. Dr. King and uh, Andy Young and others, they were very young when that, when that, that, that happened. That's true. Uh, if you look at the movement, the, the Vietnam, uh, the, the protest movement in the United States that happened um, you know, back uh, during the civil rights era, these were young people that were involved in, in the movement, some of them from college campuses, but some of them were just from the neighborhood. And if you look at the, the movement in South Africa, well, we knew it as a Zania back then. Well, you know, that was a youth and student movement that made that successful also. So with all of our movements, and that's one of the things that's missing from the national reparations movement. Right. And so the, the, the collective culture model that you keep hearing me refer to that addresses that. How do you bring all of these different factions together, and that way Congress knows that you're ready for reparations? And then until we do that, then that's going to be a major uh, block or a major hurdle for us to cross in order to secure reparations. But we got to have a youth and student uh, component that are part of the of the movement. Exactly, exactly, and that's good because I, I, I no, you did because I wanted to start us off by by asking ourselves what, what has been happening with the, with the, the movement. And it's, you know, as you said, it's been on the table a while, and we wanted to, to know where it is. And, and obviously you are coming aboard now with the, the National Reparation Institute uh, and providing some of those missing components. There's one, one group that I, I wanted to ask you about that I thought about again as I read your document. I remember that the, um, the, the African-American uh, Harvard law professor uh, had gotten involved. I, I'm trying to think of his name. I, I cannot think of his name right now. You probably remember that. Charles Ogletree. Yeah, Ogletree. Dr. Charles Ogletree. Ogletree, right. Now, what he was going to actually go to the table with with some of that uh, kind of information. It, it, where is that? Where is Ogletree's project? Well, you know, that was a body of, 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 of some of the great minds, uh, legal minds in the country, black legal minds, uh, that formed that organization and I'll call the name in just a minute, 
but uh, but that included uh, Willie Gary, that included uh, Ogletree, the late great Johnny Cochran, and a host of other black attorneys who decided that they, and uh, Randall Robinson, the brother that, who wrote The Death, right, right. the only book that could make the New York Times bestseller on reparations, they all formed that organization. And uh, to, to my knowledge now, it has just been idle. And their thing was to, at the end of the day, they were able to do some litigation, and that was around the Tulsa, Oklahoma, the 1921, um, uh, when our people were bombed and terrorized in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, they were able to help in that lawsuit uh, down in um, in uh, in Oklahoma, but of course it was kicked out of the it was kicked out of the court, and they did not win. Uh, they never got any damages for our people, the, the remaining survivors of the Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, attack on, on black people, they were never able to secure any uh, any restitution from that case. Right. And um, but that they took that through the courts. And one of the things that uh, my position is, uh, Doc, to be upfront and clear, uh, we will secure reparations, but it won't be through the courts. And the collective culture model does not uh, push or advocate for us to deal with it uh, from the court standpoint. Exactly. Because too often with the courts. Uh, that's what you call the tort model. Uh, anytime it ends up in, in a federal court or international court, that is known as what we call the tort model. Right. Well, I think from my vantage point, uh, it becomes a waste of our time to uh, run behind conservative judges and juries uh, to ask for uh, to push for reparations. Because one of the arguments is that the statute of limitations, the witnesses and the witness and evidence is gone and then the statute of limitation has run out. Right. And so those who have attempted to go through the court, this is one reason, this has always been a stumbling block. Even when the, some of the multinational corporations were two over the last 10 years um, um, who were involved, uh, who owned slaves, um, like Edna Life Insurance, um, Wells Fargo Bank and others who have been involved in, uh, and who bought, who, and who were involved in, slave, in our enslavement, well, they were sued. Some of them have been sued before. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, um, because of um, the lack of witnesses, the statute of limitation has run out, all of that, they have been, um, they have been thrown out of court, to be honest with you. Exactly. They have not exactly. gotten really gotten the remedy um, in, and gotten the success in the court. Mm -hmm. So the collective culture model does not advocate um, the court or the international court. There are some, some brothers and sisters saying we're going to the international court. Uh, to uh, to make our case. Well, the international court is made up of European people, too, who have mm -hmm. been impacted by uh, the Western powers and, and the segments of the white ruling class. So, from my vantage point, that's not going to be the uh, that's not going to be the that's most not going to be the tactic, uh, right. Right. appropriate uh, channel to to move and to secure reparations for black people in the next uh, five to seven years. Okay, and that's why I, I wanted us to make sure we talk about your your research question that you had posed in your thesis where you said, what would be the most effective model and methodology? And we'll come to that later. I don't, I don't want to address that right now. I'm just okay, trying, got you. Yes, sir. I'm trying to look now at the historical stuff that had been done in the past. Uh, one last area yes, that I want to ask about is the Tuskegee uh, experiment. Uh, th there was some compensation for that. How was that done? Was that a court issue? What was done in that Tuskegee case? Are you familiar? Uh, I don't know all of the dynamics to that. Brother Michael on the, is on the line. I'm not. I'm not sure about all of the dynamics. But remember, it was uh, Bill Clinton who finally admit, admitted 
that uh, the federal government was wrong because they funded this study in Tuskegee right. and, um, and got the name of the book. But the book was called Bad Blood, and um, remember, yeah. where that that history was laid out. But I'm not sure how they were compensated at what point because I know that there were some survivors of the Tuskegee experiment and uh, that they were compensated. But who, who actually paid them, I'm not sure about that. Okay. And Brother Michael may be able to speak to that because there he is that um, is vaccines and um, and uh, eugenics. Brother Michael, yeah, I don't brother. have the um, – yes, sir, I don't have the specifics on how they were okay. – um, uh, how they were um, paid – um, but I do know that most of them just wanted an apology. Okay. And, um, oh, when they received the apology from, uh, President Clinton, that appeared to be enough, okay. uh, which is a shame. And in fact, uh, uh, they were mocked, uh, for that, uh, mm. for taking that apology. And, okay. um, and many, many people mocked them for that. Gotcha. All right. I think I do remember some of that too. You're right about that. Okay, let's uh, let's do this, Brother Reggie. Let's go into some of your questions that you had posed uh, in terms of the study itself. Uh, I'm gonna kind of go backwards a little bit. I'm gonna go from your last question: uh, Why why is complete reparations essential? Let's start with that one. Why is it essential? Well, when I say complete reparations, remember now, uh, Doc, into the audience, you hear people talking reparations all over the country now. It even was part of the, the early on during the Democratic debate uh, with presidential candidates. You've seen different people jump on the bandwagon for reparations. Right. And, and then now you're seeing cities and states saying that they're going to issue reparations. And when I say complete reparations, one of the things that I think we were fortunate and blessed to do is to lay out a case for complete, in, the, uh, in the National Reparations Declaration, lay out a complete case for reparations. And from, from my vantage point as a political scientist uh, and as, as a reparationist, a lot of what you're getting is not reparations, uh, Doc. Okay. And it won't be repara- uh, complete reparations. And give an example. There, give an example. Georgetown University said that, well, uh, because we own slaves and um, some of the people can trace their ancestors back to Georgetown University, so we're going to provide scholarships those who can prove and allow them to come to Georgetown University. Okay. Well, to me, that, that's political patchwork. Yeah, that is, that's that is. not, that's yeah. not reparations. Not reparations reparations <laughs> is, uh, complete reparations will allow us to uh, not only um, repair the damage, but it will provide restitution for us where we're able to build, develop, and decide for ourselves um, what our what our position will be economically, politically, socially, and educationally, and culturally for the remainder of the 21st century once we get complete reparations. There's a city, uh, the city in uh, North Carolina, said that they were going to issue reparations. Well, Doc, as a as a teaching at the university level, you and I know that government is to provide goods and services and a level of protection. So don't take the taxpayers' money and then say that I'm going to give uh, Pookie and Ray Ray and Sinead and them some free training and give them a, a stipend and say that's reparations. Repar- that's not reparations. That's political patchwork. Okay. And at the end of the day, we're talking about repairing the damage of an entire people. And so the, the, the proposal that we have laid out, it answers reparations in its totality. totality. That's why we're talking trillions of dollars we're talking about and all of this is not currency. 
a lot of it has to do with the land question that black that, uh, that was stolen the, the millions of acres of land that was taken from black people. They worked black people for 300 years with no pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are a number of variables that we've got to look at. And I'm suggesting to your audience is that the bottom line is that that complete reparations is it uh, you have to look at the declaration and read it, and you'll know what we're saying to get complete reparations. And there are people who are saying, well, we're going to get reparations. We're going to ask for a trillion dollars. We're going to ask. But again, that is a partial, uh, at best, it's a partial reparations. It's not complete reparations. And that won't move the masses of the people that that we're speaking and hoping to address, the masses of our people. And I've heard some of that. Okay, now let's... uh Let's 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 look at this as well. I know that on our, one of our programs, one of our past programs, we we had uh, a young lady on from uh, Jamaica, uh, and she was a part of a movement in Jamaica uh, to move toward reparations. and 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 we were hearing some of that what you just said. Uh, I know they were going after Glasgow University um, uh, in um, in the UK. Uh, as an example, because I think Glasgow had uh, had uh, began to look at the idea of talking about giving uh, reparations. Can you just briefly just discuss a little bit of what that is in the UK and what they were going to do? Are you going to have to uh, eventually bond with them as well? Well, yes, uh, Doc, because there's a right now there is a world there is a world a global I should say a global movement for reparations for blacks. Right. Whether they be in Africa, uh, in fact, I'm doing uh, finishing up a research paper for Clark Atlanta University now, and and I'm looking at um, um, there there are 55 uh, countries or nation states that are part of, of the African Union right now. Okay. And um, but what the African Union has not done, they have not taken a, an official position on reparations. But there are uh, grassroots organizations on the ground. Right who are looking at reparations. If you go, you uh, you mentioned a young lady in Jamaica. Right now, there's an organization, CARICOM, which is a Caribbean, uh, a base of Caribbean uh, nations, uh, excuse me, I should say countries, uh, down in the, the Caribbean who have organized themselves for reparations. And if you will pick up the book, uh, Britain's Black Death by uh, Dr. Um, Beckles, you will see that they are very organized, uh, CARICOM, uh, you know, is the acronym, but it's a Caribbean-based uh, reparation organization. And at the end of the day, they are asking for reparations from, from several European uh, countries that owe them, mm-hmm. especially Britain. Uh, and again, the book that you want to go and get, um, it was written in the last 10 years, Britain's Black Debt um, by uh, Dr. Beckles. Right, I've seen and, that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, there is, there's work going on. And uh, but again, what I see missing, Doc, I got to go back to this, even reading their work, um, being familiar with uh, some of the research that is coming out of the Caribbeans now coming out of Jamaica, um, very conscious work. But again, missing a model and a methodology for doing it. We've 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 mastered the work of uh, being able to chronicle the atrocities and we look we're able to look at the history and um, and tell you. Why, uh, how our people were terrorized, tortured, tormented uh, for centuries. We're able to do that very well uh, and, and, and documented that very well. But again, I see even in the Caribbean model, 
there is a missing model and methodology. Good. If you go, uh, the point that I'm making with this is that if Haiti is ever going to be up and running like a free and independent nation or country, I should say, Haiti, then it, it would have to have complete reparations. Right. And reparations will work, uh, Doc. Okay. Uh, this is the only thing that black people have not tried in America is complete reparations. That's the only thing that we have. We've done everything else but complete reparations. Okay. And so um, from that vantage point, Africa, but the African Union has failed to take a position. And the OAU, the Organization of African Unity, started by Dr. Osage for Kwame Nkrumah, they had a, um, they, before they um, moved to the African Union and disbanded, they had taken a position by the early 90s, they had taken a position on reparations and did, did the first uh, uh, international conference uh, in Africa, uh, uh, in Nigeria, on reparations. Exactly. Okay. All right. So now I see where we're going with this. Excuse that. me. I, I got along with it. Yes. Go right ahead. No, and I'm saying I think I got along with. Hope, hope I answered. Oh no, no, no. This is that because we're you know this is a this is a vast uh, subject area, and there's no way in the world we yes, as we as we as we indicated at the beginning of the program that we would be able to cover all of this. But I wanted to get to some of those critical areas. That's why I chose your your questions as one of the ways to do that. And, and one of them was why okay. complete reparations is essential. And uh, that makes a lot of sense because you're right. You could never build, rebuild Haiti. Uh, you could never rebuild some of these places that uh, were exploited and torn apart and ripped apart by Europe uh, without complete reparations. And so that, that, that makes a, a lot of sense, uh, that why you would do that. And then what maybe we want to do at the um, when we come back from the top of the hour is we want to maybe l get in to look at some of those uh, personal ways that you would begin to uh, to uh, calculate compensation, you know, for some of those things that were done and how they were done, uh, you know, to our people and to our ancestors. All right, let me go to this one. Yes, sir. How would America okay. benefit from complete reparations? Well, let me have uh, Brother Michael, would you uh, get into because uh, Brother Michael and I, uh, we were blessed to, um, to, to do the research on it. And so he's just as versed as I am on it and um, and has certainly done a, a great, great deal of work. Uh, and I'd like him to speak to that, uh, if you would, Brother Michael. Brother Mike, are you still with us? Uh, I think Brother? he is. He's still, yeah. Brother Mike? There we go. I got, yeah, I'm here. Sorry okay. about that. Okay, that's right. Um how yes, sir, one of the points, yes, sir. Uh, one of the points that we looked at um, from how America would benefit from reparations, number one, would be uh, it would aid in the restoration of the black family. Now, we know that um, when uh, they allowed us to begin to get what we what we considered benefit, what was really welfare uh, or uh, food stamps and um, things of that nature, you know that the male could not be in the home. Mm -hmm. And prior mm -hmm. to that, let's just say when we were on the plantation, we could not get married. Mm -hmm. We mm. could not really have a family. We weren't unable uh, to really uh, understand and fulfill the need of having a family. So our, in our sojourn in America, we really never had a family. Mm -hmm. So what we decided was what was, one, what was the most important thing uh, 
that America, not only America would benefit, but we would benefit from, and that is the restoration of the black family. When you have a complete family, you have lower crime. You have uh, uh, lower, a lower illiter- illiteracy rate. You have a, a lower uh, dropout, high school dropout rate. Your prison population is maybe non-existent. Right. So the first thing you have to do is restore the family. Um, and then from, from the restoration of the family comes everything else. But we also need to be completely re-educated. So we have to find a means of education for our people. We can't lean on uh, the Eurocentric uh, position of education because in that system of education, we're taught white supremacy. Right. And since we're taught white supremacy, then we're also taught black inferiority. Well, then that is a, uh, a poison cup for black people. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have to just start to develop our own uh, system. Um uh, America benefit would also be the elimination of the black poverty rate. If we're not uh, on welfare, if we're not depending on their corporations and institutions to provide our needs, and we're providing for ourselves, then America has a great weight off of her. Mm-hmm. So these are some of the things, and we have, I believe we have 10 points in how America would benefit from complete reparations, but these are some of the main points on how America would benefit. Um, from complete reparations. It would reduce the black poverty rate. So these things would help America and help ourselves. Yeah. And that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, now, um, again, and and you did mention some of this. Um, How does the, the, the feeling of the quantitative work fit in when you have to consider Africa as well? Uh, because the continent, uh, as you know, has been truly damaged, uh, as well as the people, not only just yes, slavery, but from colonialism uh, and some of all the damage that was done. There. How do you how do you figure that into your research? Uh, how do you look at that? How, do, how does how does Ghana, how does um, Sierra Leone, which has really got ripped apart, how does that uh, fit into this uh, equation? Well, that our, our particular study is focused on, on blacks here in America because okay. that is a separate model that we have to build and help develop. And in the future, we will be working toward that. A lot of my work and research now at the university level is dealing with the continent of Africa. You heard me mention the African Union. Yeah, right. Well, the problem with, with uh, their, their, their organizations on the ground in different parts of Africa who have focused in on the land question mm-hmm. in South Africa. We was known as a Zambia at one time. They have focused in on the land question, Zimbabwe and others. So there, there has to be a different model and methodology because of the neo, uh, what you, they're suffering under neo-colonialism now and the neoliberalism that is happening now. And, and of course, the effects of colonialism. Mm-hmm. And then too, robbing Africa of its best resources, its human resources, Millions of African uh, brothers and sisters were snatched away from the continent, and they have, they have not repaired that damage. But to answer your question, our study right now is focused on America. Okay. And those multinational corporations that owe us, the former plantation owners that owe, owe us, the nonprofit organizations that owe us, uh, and then again, of course, the multi- and then the federal government. Okay. So there are four entities that we look at here in the United States 
that owe black people trillions of dollars. And again, at some point, going back to Africa, that's where my research is now. And, uh, and um, this summer, uh, inshallah, we will be going, if it be the will of God, we will be going to Africa to do some study and help do some organizing and help develop a model and a methodology that will be applicable for Africa also. Good, because good. at the end of the day, Africa deserves reparations. And again, um, the, how you repair the, the damage for at least 55 countries on, on the continent that are part of the African Union is reparations. Okay. But part of the problem with it right now, Doc, and to your audience, we, we've gotten this, um, there are many of the African leaders have compromised. Many of them have sold out. Yes. Many of them um, have adopted a neoliberal uh, liberalism um, agenda. Right. And so they're, they're constantly in bed with the IMF, IMF and, and other organizations getting loans where they, they can never pay back and they can never really build and develop. And for your audience, if you think that reparations does not work, then I have to ask you to look at 16 European nations after World War II that were destroyed and decimated after World War II, the Marshall Plan went in and rebuilt those countries, and some of them are some of the thriving economies in Europe today uh -huh. with, uh, after mm -hmm. they had already been devastated. Mm -hmm. So reparations work. They just have not, black people have just not organized and demanded reparations from European wars here in America and even on the continent um, of, of Africa. They have not demanded in an organ, organized in a systematic way those European nations to give back what they have taken and stolen from us as a people. Right. Okay. That, now, now I understand because very clearly, uh, you and one of the things you did explain in your earlier research was that you have to first start to go looking at these theoretical models first, and obviously Africa's theoretical uh, model system would be a lot different than what America's uh, theoretical system would be. Is that correct? Am I correct in saying that? Well, it is, it's going to be somewhat different, absolutely, because blacks in America, we're not necessarily focused on European nations. Um, what we are focused on um, are those uh, bodies that benefited from our enslavement here. Okay. And, of course, we know that there are some, we know that there were some European nations that were involved. Uh, we know um, uh, Britain was involved. We know other European nations. Uh, but our focal point is those who benefited over a 460-something-odd-year period right. Uh, right. along with those European nations. There, some of the argument has been, well, there were African uh, nations that helped sell us. Well, yeah, we, we understand that to a degree. Exactly. But we don't allow them to uh, sidetrack us because there were a few African leaders who were involved in the, uh, the transatlantic enslavement and trafficking of black people. Mm -hmm. And notice what I said, Doc. We didn't say transatlantic slave trade. That's a European concept. Mm -hmm. That's a European definition and description. But we're talking about the transatlantic enslavement and trafficking of Afri black African people. I like that. And so at the end of the day, um, mm -hmm. we're not going to sanitize this, but it was not a trade. It was not a mutual uh, 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 trading and bargaining and negotiating on behalf of two equals and you came up with a trade. No, that's not what happened. Uh, black people were snatched from Africa, and there were some African leaders, a few of them, who were complicit. Mm -hmm. But that was not the, the majority of the African leaders or the majority of the African countries. Regardless of what Henry Louis Skip Gates and others uh, say in their misinformation, 
I did a whole piece on that 10 years ago, refuting that argument. And so, uh, but the model will, will look different. And, uh, but our, our objective is to focus on uh, the federal government, state and local governments here in America, nonprofit organizations who benefited right, from right. over 40,000 plantations that are still up and running in the United States, and then some of the colleges and universities, Harvard, Yale, uh, Cornell, um, a host of uh, other uh, colleges and universities who exactly. own slaves and exactly. who, is, who are responsible for our enslavement and the exploitation of uh, black people. Here in, the, here, uh, here in the hills of North America. And that's what, I, that's what we want to get. So we're going to take a break. At, we're at the top of the hour. We're going to okay. come back. Uh, I want you to, uh, uh, and when we come back so you can maybe look at I want to take one of your theoretical models uh, that you were using, okay. and that one is the Kawaita theory. Uh, I want you to just, if you a little bit, explain how that theoretical model will help in carrying out this plan uh, explain that maybe you know to our audience, and then you know, just give us a little back uh, background to what the Kawaita theory is. Um, but then, okay. that, and then after that, I'm going to open up the lines and get a couple of our uh, members. We got a lot of wonderful uh, members here that are online right now that I'm sure would uh, okay. have plenty of questions for you. So let's take this break, and we'll come okay. right back. Okay. And Don, how 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 long of the break?
Dr. Rocky. to Black Reality Think Tank with host Dr. William Rogers on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Okay, my sisters and brothers, we are back. We are talking with uh, two very powerful young scholars, uh, Brother Michael Muhammad and Brother Reginald Muhammad. And they are talking about a masterful re- piece of research that they have done on reparations uh, in, as a part of the National Reparations Institute. Uh, there is a publication <coughs> that has recently been released. And uh, Brother Michael, Brother Reginald is going to tell you how you can get a copy of that uh, with information on reparations that you just haven't seen in some of the other studies. And as Brother Reginald said earlier, uh, not to take anything away from them. They've done masterful jobs of uh, carrying the, revo- the reparations idea forward. But there are some things that were missing and that we need to put in there. And they're coming in and to begin to fill some of those gaps. Uh, and maybe there'll be some others that'll come behind them and still fill in more gaps. <laughs> but yes, what, sir. Whatever yes, it's going to take, uh, we've, we've got to do it and we begin it. I'm going to, um, uh, we, 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 we started off that uh, piece in the beginning of the top of the hour with the great Gil Scott Heron, uh, who's going to pay reparations on our souls. 
Um, well, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the, the number game, the numbers game, that quantitative uh, part. That's always a tough one uh, <laughs> to look at and how you're going to calculate uh, what's going to happen and who's going to, how this is going to be done and what's going to be done there. And this study has done that. Uh, and they've looked at things like land loss. Uh, they looked at how our souls have been devastated. Uh, and even though you can't put a value on a human soul, uh, but there are some things that you can consider in that quantitative analysis that would take place. And so they're going to talk about that here. So I'm going to ask Brother Michael, because I understand Michael was the lead researcher uh, in this area, if he will start telling us about the number of crunch. Uh, how did that work, Brother Michael? What is it that you had to do? And what were some of the results of that once you uh, completed that study? Well, um, the first thing we looked at was uh, from uh, 1900 um, to the present, uh, there were over 14 million of, uh, acres of land stolen from blacks uh, who were trying to uh, work and live independently. Uh, and this was a concerted, concerted effort uh, between the government, as Brother Reginald talked about, uh, uh, local, state, uh, and federal uh, corporations uh, and uh, institutions that work to uh, steal our land. So we saw, uh, first of all, that we lost over 14 million acres between 1900 and the present mm -hmm. day. So we put a value on that. Um, uh, and uh, we found out that the average uh, acre of land costs $3,160. So we multiplied that times 14 million acres. Uh, and that got us around uh, $44 billion uh, in, in land mm. uh, or the value of that land. However, we decided that we we're going to put compound interest on that because land never loses its value. Land always, if nothing else uh, gains value, land always gains value and importance particularly when a population begins to grow. Mm -hmm. We know that land does not grow. It doesn't change. We know that there are 52,685,000 square miles of land on the planet Earth. Well, there are 8 billion people fighting over that those, those square miles of land. So we wanted to quantitate and, uh, and say, see what the value of that land would be uh, over the last 100 years. So we calculated over a 120-year period the value of that land would be $1.5 trillion approximately. Mm. And that is owed to those people who lost their land. However, we had to go even further because uh, we had to look at the forced free labor on black people and what the value of forced free labor was. What is the cost of, uh, of working for free for really 300 and, 310 years? Imagine that. Mm -hmm. Imagine your corporation who has employees that you don't have to pay, that you really don't have to feed, that you really don't have to clothe, and that you don't have to house. Right. You do nothing but make profit. And when an employee dies, you don't owe any benefit to the family. You just throw that employee away and you get another. This is the harsh reality of what we suffered in America. So we had to put a value on that. And we had to uh, do that based on a, a population of 4.5 million black people. Right. So I'm mm -hmm. not going to go into those numbers, but we did calculate an hourly wage, a work week, 
um, uh, how many weeks a year we were forced to work, uh, how much that cost us, how much benefit that, they, that Caucasians got from our, our free labor, and what the cost was and what the value was of our free labor in America. Mm -hmm. So we put, a, we put a value on that, and we put a compound interest on that mm -hmm. because they owe us for our suffering. And this has never been done, uh, Doc. So we decided that we were going to do it. We were going to show the value of what we, what we are owed. Um, we also uh, dealt with five centuries of denial, neglect, inequality, and murder. Mm -hmm. uh, we dealt with the um, the fact that the Jim Crow laws that were put on us after uh, our so-called emancipation made white people over fifteen trillion dollars. From uh, I think it was eighteen sixty-five to nineteen thirty-five, they made fifteen trillion dollars off of our back when we were supposed to be free. So we had to look at that. These are things that our people have not been told about. Right. These and we even have to look at Doc, the world who benefited from our free labor was asking America, how are you gonna get these people back on the plantation? That's right. Well, we didn't know about this. But there were nations all over the world asking America, you gotta get them back on the farm. We need to benefit from cotton, we need to benefit from tobacco, we need to benefit from sugar cane. Get them back in on their plantation. That's right. So that's where the that's where the Jim Crow laws came into effect. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. No, no. I'm just I'm just amening what okay. you're saying. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Brother so, Michael, so, would you go ahead? Would you tell them the numbers that you came up with in those four different areas uh, to the audience? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I think it was unique about the, the research that we were blessed to do. Would you give them the yes, numbers, sir. brother, in each one of those four sure. areas? Okay. Sure. So. In the uh, in the in the land stolen from blacks that approximate uh, 14 uh, million acres, we valued it at 1.535 trillion dollars that is owed to black people. In our forced free labor from 1555 to 1865, as we calculated the hourly, weekly, and monthly wage, we valued it at 51 trillion 224 billion, 400 million dollars that mm. is owed to black people for our free labor. Mm. Uh, from uh, the uh, the effects of uh, the Jim Crow law, we calculated that they owed us up to 15 trillion dollars just for the Jim Crow law because of what they benefited and how they put us back on the plantation and really put us right back in slavery. Right. Right. Then we have the black and white wealth gap. Go ahead. Were you able to, um, as, a, as a source of primary documentation, were you able to find where the deeds and, and these uh, lands were actually turned over and willed to our people? Were you, w did you run across that kind of stuff, Was it, or did you have to rely on something else? We relied on research from uh, several, uh, several organizations like okay, the uh, okay. Brookings Institute, Right. Uh, like authors like uh, Mr. Sean D. Rochester, um, uh, individuals like that that have done extensive research on uh, on those things. Right. Uh, we are now getting ready to go into states and view their archives and see how and where and when blacks lost their land. The New York Times had articles on 
the the amount of land that was lost by blacks from 1900 to the present. The Washington Post is another uh, organization that we uh, that we use and got information from them. We haven't gotten individual deeds, but that is one thing that we want to do mm-hmm. is to get individual uh, deeds if they're on the record. But you know, records have been uh, have been lost uh, and have been hidden for for many many years. So. This is going to be uh, a, a monumental work, but it's a work that must be done. Oh, yeah, monumental work. <laughs> you know, the reason yes, I sir. asked that question uh, is that um, my, my uh, alma mater is uh, North Carolina Central University in Durham. And uh, right during a time back in the late 70s, as I was leaving uh, Durham to get ready to come to Wisconsin, I remember that the, uh, the North Carolina Central University Law School had taken on a project uh, working to get that farmland back that had mm-hmm. been taken uh, from them over the years. And I, I had a friend, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, that I knew uh, that was working on that research project and pulling up those deeds. Mm-hmm. And so that was the reason I asked that question. I was wondering if they had really been able to, to find some of those deeds, find some of those documents that where that land had been given to people. Uh, and, you know, then they obviously took it back later on years that's that's and that's the reason i asked that uh well we have to look at um we have to look at uh field order number 15 uh-huh. uh from uh general sherman when the north came and in, invaded the south and blacks were displaced from uh uh the plantation you see there were ten thousand black families that were displaced during that the invasion of the south right. so what uh mr sherman did was he ordered field order number 15, which took over 400,000 acres of land from white farmers okay. and gave it to displaced blacks. Now, he didn't do that to help black people. He did that to help the Union Army not have to take care of black people. Right, exactly. Right. The 40 acres uh, and and the many, and go ahead. Yes, sir. I, I was just saying that's the 40 acres on the mule project. Correct? That is the 40 mm-hmm. acres and part of a mule project. We, <laughs> we think that. Uh, we think that we were supposed to get 40 acres in a mule uh, and that that was supposed to be for 4.5 million black people, but it was only for those 10,000 people uh, that Sherman's uh, army went across and did not want to have to take care of. Okay. And then Mr. Sherman told him, well, you know, you can't have the mules, but you, we'll loan them to you for a little while and let you develop your land because we don't want you Negroes coming here asking us for anything. Right. So uh, that was the process. But, but these men are realists. They didn't come to uh, to the South to free black people. They came to the South to keep the South from uh, from gaining their their uh, independence from from the North. Right. Right. So in order to do that, they had to cripple the white farmers. Okay. Mm-hmm. So as a military strategy, they gave this land over to black people as long as the Northern soldiers were in the South then they could occupy the land. But there was never a plan for black people to have that land permanent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just an opportunity for the North to uh, to defeat and cripple the South. Right. That was the work. Right. Okay, let me, yes, let me, let me go to the line, because I don't want to dare not give our audience a chance to, uh, to, yes, pose, to pose some questions here, because it's, it's so much stuff. I know it's just... Uh, this has got to be a two, a part two, part three, and I hope that you will allow me to come back and have you on again so we can 
talk about some stuff that we we didn't talk about or we're not going to be able to talk about tonight. And I'll be to be able to do yes, that. Sir. Yeah, definitely so. Yes, okay, let me go to uh, area code nine one nine nine five six nine one nine nine five six. I think that's Doctor Bridges. Is that you, Doctor Bridges? Yes, yes, sir, my brother. Hotep to all the Good. to you, uh, Doctor Rise, and all the brothers and the other two brothers uh, on the air. Okay, thank you, thank you, Doctor Bridges. This is yeah, uh, Dr. This is Dr. Bruce yeah, Bridges. Uh, he uh, is a, he's a he's actually one of the the co-hosts of our program on occasions. Uh, he has uh, written a book called Recapturing the African Mind, uh, and uh, he has uh, was the owner of one of the, the greatest bookstores in, in America called the No Books, <laughs> right here, right in Durham, North Carolina. So I asked him to come on and, and, and meet you all and uh, maybe pose a couple of questions to you that he might have. Yes. So, so go right ahead, Thank you, Dr. Bridges. Uh-huh. All right, that's right. Hotel, brother, and uh, and when you all get a chance to get a copy of my book, Recapturing the African Mind. Uh, I, mean, I, I know you. I know you both of your brothers in the Nation of Islam. I've been a friend of Minister Farrakhan, I guess, since the early nineteen, uh, mid nineteen, early nineteen seventies, when the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was still living, in, and after that, when I taught at Saint Augustine's College in Raleigh, North Carolina, I brought Minister Farrakhan in when he was first standing up again to rebuild the Nation of Islam. Just to give you a little information about me, but also thank you, thank on another you, note. Thank you for Pardon that, me? brother, because that was no easy task uh, in the position that you were in, brother, and the fact that you had the heart and the spirit and the will and the intellect to do that, brother, we, we thank you and we're grateful for it, brother, because we certainly uh, have benefited from brothers and sisters around the country and around the world who had that 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 uh, that grace and that opportunity to extend the hand to the nation and the ministry. Thank you so much for that, brother. Right. Thank you for thanking me, too. And I got a lot of flack behind that, too, when I brought the minister to my job and had him on his campus and that kind of thing. But yes, yes, sir. Did it. But now I'd like to ask you, uh, Brother Reginald or Brother Michael or both of you, and then yes. I have a couple other, other quick comments. I, I never like to take over a program. Have you heard about the brother here in – I live in Durham, North Carolina – was on the faculty at Duke University, and I, I tuned out a couple of times because I was calling so many people to tell them to, to listen to this program. You may have mentioned him. He writes a lot on reparations. Uh, Dr. Sandy Darity? Yeah, from, from here to yeah. equality, his latest book that was released a few months ago on one of the most comprehensive studies on reparations. Yes, sir. I'm familiar with his work, have his book, and haven't finished reading it. But uh, have gone through it, and uh, just an eminent one of our eminent scholars and historians. And first, in fact, he's an economist. That's really his training and background. But he and his exactly. wife have done a great work on the book, brother. So we definitely familiar with his work and have utilized it here at the uh, the National Reparations Institute. Yes, sir. Oh, that's good because I, I know him. I've been knowing him for years. He used to come by my store before he even wrote a book, and I know his wife before she even started doing reparations uh, research. So I was wondering if you – so you have used his book, and you are familiar with him. Yes, uh, sir. The next thing I want to I want to mention is um, uh, you talked about reparations and quantifying um, the loss of land and how much land was lost and that kind of thing. Now, what about what, what can we do, or have you thought about what could actually be done about the psychological damage that was done to black Americans as well as the mm. spiritual damage that was done to black Americans by destroying our 
native religions and given us the European version of Christianity and 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 and, and our health consequences that came out of coming across the water on the plantations and on the plantations due to uh, uh, poor um, uh, um, health conditions. Uh, the fact that we didn't eat the proper foods. What, 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 they actually owe us for that, too. How will we uh, quantify that, or, can, or, or is that possible? Because actually, some of that is really more important than the money that they owe us. When you look at the psychological and the spiritual and the emotional damage that was done to us as a people, they also owe us for that. So if that, has, that, that, if that hasn't been put into the bill owed by white America, maybe we need to put that on the bill also. Good question. Yes, yeah, sir. I think, one thing, I think one thing that we have to think of, uh, uh, dear doctor, and I hope you don't mind me uh, speaking on this real quick, Brother Reginald, is that we have to have a complete re-education of black people. We can't exactly. depend on these institutions uh, or their areas of, or their, their schools of learning to educate us. We have to create our own physical or uh, public health and mental health policy. That is one of the uh, charges of the National Reparations Institute, is to develop our own public policy standards. Now, when you talk about reparations, you have to remember reparations does not go to individuals. Reparations goes to nations. So when we talk mm -hmm. about the land issue, mm -hmm. we, when you go to talk reparations, you have to consider separation. Because mm. if you don't consider separation after reparations, then those who have been your oppressor will work to get that which you get have money worked back. so hard That's right. to get for yourself. That's right. So now we have to develop our own system of government. We have to develop and return to our own system of religion. We have to reject and throw off every aspect of what they have put on us because all of it is destructive. You mm -hmm. can look at little boys. Look at our little boys at the ages of one and two and four years old, they are operating on genius levels. But when they get into the school system, by the time they turn six or seven years old, you can barely get a boy to function. Yes. And pay attention in school. You can't get you can't get them to even uh, operate uh, on a on a decent level in a family because of the damage that has been put on their mind. Mm -hmm. So we can't, we cannot get reparations without thinking of developing everything of our own and using nothing of this. Mm -hmm. But we Brother have Michael, to develop our own. Go ahead, sir. Let me add to that. Since thank you, brother. He's right in the back, uh, Doctor Bridges. The other thing is that what we're doing, Doc, is we have formed nine committees. Mm -hmm. One of those committees mm -hmm. has deals with the education and the psychological. So people like yourself who are skilled and trained, brothers, this That's is what right. the Reparation Summit is about, is to make sure that we find and identify those minds, sisters and brothers who are skilled and who are certified and qualified mm -hmm. in those particular areas. Right. That's mm -hmm. what we have a reparations report that will come out. But one area of that report will deal with this, how do we deal with the psychological damage mm -hmm. that has been done. Well, we know you and uh, Dr. Naomi Mark, Bob Francis, Chris Wilkinson, and Bobby Wright and um, uh, 
Kobe right, Cam Wade, Wade, Wade Nobles, Wade, Asa Hill, right. Wade Nobles, Asa Hill have, have done the work for us. Mm-hmm. So we need you all to be part of that committee. This is why we formed right. the National Reparations Institute, but out of the institute is a summit. So that means in those nine committees, we've identified a team of no less than eight to ten people who are skilled, who can come back and say, uh, this is what the paradigm, we're going to get the $83 trillion of reparations that they owe us from four different entities. Right. But within that, we have, uh, uh, a, we have a, we, we've set a model and set a, a committee in place that says, okay, this is how we address the mental uh, uh, damage that has been done, the psychological and the spiritual. And here are our people, they will develop that program and that model. So that's why we need brothers and sisters like you. We are attempting to identify them. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we've done, Dr. Bridges, we're not tripping on the labels. We're not tripping on the ideology, the philosophy, or the religion. If you're black and you want the liberation of our people, you're part. we want you part of the National Reparations Institute and the summit right. that we'll have every year. And so, but out of that, to answer your question more specifically, give an example in education. We know that we got brilliant scholars that are around. We know that we uh, the work of uh, Dr. Chica Akur here in Atlanta. We know that we have um, uh, Dr. Asa Hillis has trained others in education. And, uh, um, and so we just have to identify those brothers and sisters and bring them to the table. And they tell us this is the best plan that we, once we get, we secure reparations, here's the funding that we need, here's the systems that we need in place, here's the personnel logistically, uh, this is what we need in place and the resources we need in place, those recommendations are going to come from the nine committees. And we, we need people like yourself and others that you know of, and, and uh, Dr. Rogers knows that that's how we will actually get complete. That's complete reparations. Right, right. You know, that, and that's and what and I... And how you... I, how guess that's what, uh, I guess that's what uh, we've... Uh, Brother, Brother Gil Scott Heron meant by uh, who's going to pay reparations on my soul uh, in, in some of that kind of uh, thought. And process uh, as well. I assume. Uh, I agree with you, one hundred percent. I agree with you, uh, Doctor Bridges. So, so, okay. I was about to say before before we go off, uh, Doctor Rod, you don't have to do it now. Give me, give us, give out some contact information on the on yeah, the brothers. We're going yeah, we, we, to do that. We're going to do that. I'm going to get to another one of our callers, uh, and then we're going to um, um, okay. uh, come back. I, we we need to get right. Yeah, brothers, we're going to give out the uh, how people can purchase the. Uh, publication, uh, you know, how it can be reached. And, and thank you for the question, Doc, Dr. Bridges. We appreciate you. All right, now, and I'm still on, too, Dr. Rogers. And, okay, uh, good, uh, good. Uh, yeah, please right. stay on. Uh, I want to go to uh, uh, my brother here who has uh, he has a program on uh, our station as well. Uh, it comes on Thursday evening called Melanin Live. Uh, his br- uh, brother Lance Jones from Greensboro, North Carolina. He has a wonderful program. Uh, he's had on some uh, individuals who are doing similar type of things, um, and I want to ask him if he uh, has a question or remark that he might like to uh, give our audience. Uh, Brother Lance, how you doing tonight? Brother Brother Lance? Brother Lance? You Is there? he on mute? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you, Brother Lance. Uh-huh. Brother Lance? I know he's on there because uh, I know he's trying to try your phone. Your phone might be mute, Brother Lance. Yeah, because I had my mute and I had to take yeah, it off. Sometimes you forget that your phone is mute. Brother Lance, are you there? 
Okay, I'll come back to him. He might have. He may have stepped away from his phone. Let's go to uh, uh, three one three four hundred Detroit, Michigan. Uh, any, any questions, my brother? Comments three one three four hundred. Yeah, how you doing, brother? Oh, this good. Is, uh, good. Hey, how you doing? All right. Yeah, this is Ben Johnson out of Michigan. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. I just want to give greetings to all of the brothers there, and uh, my comment is. I want to thank the brothers for the work that they're doing. I know it's hard work and sacrifice. And thank I'm you, just sir. looking forward to it benefiting our generations to come. Great. Thank you, sir. Great, great. Thank you so right, much. That's my comment. All right. Thank, thank you, you brother. Appreciate it. And, and doc, Dr. Rogers, we're doing this work for not for me and you, but for the generations to come. Coming behind, behind us. My right. children and grandchildren, we owe them this, uh, Doc. And, and I, I sincerely mean that. Be, if I'm not around 50 or 60 years from now, I want to make sure that we've done our work and secured reparations for the masses of our people. Fantastic. At the end of the day. Uh, well, I appreciate you and appreciate what you're doing. Uh, I think Brother Lance is on now. Brother Lance, you there? I am, Dr. Rogers. Okay, good, good, good. Any, any questions? How you doing, I'm going to turn down my speaker here. Okay. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Rogers, for allowing me to speak. And uh, yes, sir. all the participants, dear brothers, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam, brother. Sir. Hotep to the family. Um, Hotep. I, I don't have much to say, but I'm just overwhelmed with joy. You know, I had Brother Captain on my show, Captain Dennis Muhammad. We talked about the work he's doing. And I'm just so proud of you, brothers, and the work that you're doing. And, thank you, um, sir. Uh, indeed, indeed. You. And this is what we all must do. And, and yes, one, yes. one thing you did say that really uh, stuck with me, you said it's not about religion or you know, this or that, but if you're black, this pertains to you. Yes, you sir. know? That's right. And yes, so sure. uh, I'm just overjoyed. I'm going to continue listening. And at some point, uh, uh, once you give out the information, I'll certainly be in touch. But once again, yes, thank all of you, and let's continue the discussion. Thank you, Dr. Rogers. Thank you. And thank you, Brother Lance, for the work that you are doing uh, consistently with our people, and, Brother, and just that unity and that spirit that you come with. We're grateful and appreciative, Brother. Yeah. Brother Lance is doing a fabulous job. Uh, he's been on uh, uh, the Black Reality Think Tank uh, program. Uh, he has his own program called Melanin Live. It comes on Thursday evening at 7 o'clock um, Eastern time, six o'clock Central. Okay. Uh, dynamic program. He had Brother Dennis. He said uh, Dr. Dennis Muhammad was on last week. Uh, before yes, that, sir. he had a group called the African Brain Bank. They were on. He's been doing that kind of work with us. Yes. So glad to have him. So glad to have yes, him. You got to check it now. Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to take one more call and then, Brother Reggie, I'd like for you all to give out that information in terms of how they can get hold of the book. Uh, let's go okay. over here to uh, Newburn, North Carolina, uh, 252. Four seven four two five two four seven four. Uh, would you like to say something, caller? Two five two four seven four. New Bern, North Carolina. Out on the coast. Nope. Okay. All right. We'll. Thank you for listening. If you're there, thank you. We appreciate you listening. Uh, let me uh, go nine one nine. Five nine 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 one nine five nine nine. Would you like to say something, caller, or are you just listening? Nine one nine five nine nine. Okay, just listening. That's fine. We appreciate you listening. Uh, 
Uh, brother uh, Doc, if I may. Yes. My co-host is with me, and she'd like to chime in with your permission. Okay. No good. No problem. This is Bernice. Thank you, Brother Lance. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Good, Queen. How are you doing? All right. All right, Kings. Listen, this is fantastic. Um, I think this is the most important issue of our time. We say that about a lot of issues, but this really is, because we need uh, the, the repair that's due to us done. We ain't asking nobody for nothing. We need to demand that they repair the brokenness that they did to us for generations. All right. And what Brother uh, Bruce said, I just want to pick up on what he was talking about, the trauma the generational trauma that we suffered as a result of enslavement, chattel slavery, then Jim Crow torture, lynchings, um, all of the ways that they have just devastated the black community, um, all of that has resulted in some severe trauma that has not really been adequately, I would say, um, addressed. And we got to really, really drill down into that. Um, right now, our young people are suffering from generational trauma, right. and they don't know why they're behaving the way that they are. That's true. Exactly. The result mm -hmm. of all of the hell that they've put us through that, on this Holocaust. So the, the, the emotional trauma. When I um, I was in a car accident, and I saw all of the vultures, you know, get ready to get all of their money, the uh, insurance companies and the chiropractor and the, the, the physical therapist, everybody was getting a piece. And you know what they focused on? Pain and suffering. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we got to really drill down and drill hard on that pain and suffering, the mm -hmm. emotional pain and suffering. So I want to stress that. Okay. That's beautiful. My, my sister, real quick, you're absolutely right. And there are many studies going on worldwide. They call it epigenetics. And they're able to show that when the people have been traumatized, they pass it down in, from one gene to the other to That's different right. for the next generation. And That's so right. you're talking about a people that have been traumatized, terrorized, tortured, and tormented, colonized, chemicalized, castrated, and corrupted. Right. Yes, it's in it's in the DNA. And one of the things, sister, that it, it and I'll come back at another time if Dr. Rogers will have me back. Oh, I'm yes. doing the position oh, paper. Yes. I'm doing the position paper called caucophobia. Our people, huh. uh, with what happened to us, sister. Our people suffer from caucophobia, the collective fear or intimidation of European people, mm -hmm. or those who classify themselves as Caucasian, white, Aryan, or Jewish. Caucophobia, the collective fear or intimidation of European people. So mm -hmm. we won't even make moves to liberate ourselves because of the fear. That's it, uh, brother. Most of our people are jumping on the bandwagon of reparations right now because white people or European people are saying it's okay. Ten years ago, we may not have been able to have this conversation because our people are saying, oh, that was radical and extreme. But you're absolutely right, mm -hmm, sister. Mm -hmm. and, and there are a number of uh, books and scholars who have documented that great work. Dr. Amos Wilson and others have talked mm -hmm. about the trauma. Uh, Dr. Frances Crest Wilson, go back to the ISIS papers. She has a whole, um, a whole uh, essay in the book dealing with the anxiety and fear that we have to come to grips with that we suffer from right. as a people. Right. And again, you're right, sister. In in in, in the legal field, we um, we we pay for damages. Um, we we have an injury. Um, we, we look pain at and suffering. the damage. Pain and, and suffering. Right. For those damages. Right. That's right. Appreciate That's right. you, sister. Okay. Thank Good you. Let's go Don't to. We need uh, your help, and sister. 
Let's go to my brother from Philadelphia. He's out of the mosque in Philadelphia, uh, Brother Timothy. Uh, he's a very active part of the Black Reality Think Tank. Brother Timothy, how you doing tonight? I want to say, Dr. Rogers, you always hit home ones, man. And these are two of the special guests that you uh, let me hear. And I'm a, I'm always welcome to know who you have, man. You're doing a good job. Let me say this. Uh, Brother Reginald, Brother Michael, your Brother Timothy, my little temple number 12. I'm going to say yes, to you, brother, that, that's brother. right. Yes, sir, brother, that Minister Farrakhan rebuilt the nation. And you can tell that it's still brothers like us around, man. This is a black think tank that I hear that people think it's not around, man. And when I think about 12 and how it was rebuilt, it started with Jamil Muhammad, went from Jamil Muhammad to Anthony Muhammad mm -hmm. to now Rodney Muhammad. I'm saying, brothers, I'm happy to hear you, brothers. I'm going to say this, brothers, that um, when I put all this work together and listen to you folks, I like the brother who did the work called The Debt. I like Tatiana Hope's essay. And I like what you're doing. And I'm going to say to you, brothers, that um, when it comes to reparations, I think about the Cotillia in Africatown in Alabama. I say to you, brothers, that when it comes to getting reparations, I like this think tank that's going on, what we need. But when it comes to the legislation process, how do we deal with it on the state level? How do we deal with it on the federal level? because um, there are politicians that may be involved that we have to go to for the money. Not saying that we should not separate with our own land. Exactly. Can you tell me what you want to say, your positions? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir, brother. When we get complete reparations, it will deal with the state and local also, because we're talking of, brother, we, we've quantified and looked at this. We're talking about $83 trillion. Mm -hmm. And again, that, that money, and once you put together the um, the executive committee and and have the um, the resource center that we will set up uh, for reparations and have a team of sisters and brothers who are scholars and experts in areas we'll be able to designate that and that money will filter down to to the community level so to the degree that we restoring the black family we're looking at our, our people who have been systematically locked out locked under um, who who have never made it to uh, beyond just the working class, who never had the opportunities that you and I may have had. These are the people that we're speaking to. But total, refer complete reparations, brother, answers that question. That's why I say we can do what we want to do at the local level, but that's a part of it. But when you start talking about the masses of the people, we're talking about complete reparations. And then, too, we will get complete reparations. Uh, Doc, uh, I know our time is, is about out, but the quadruple base. Uh, our quadruple-based philosophy or theory mm -hmm. addresses how we actually secure reparations. And, and I'm not talking about being around 20 years marching and protesting and begging right, uh, others right. for reparations. We can get this if we implement the uh, and understand the quadruple-based theory uh, and model that we have designed that will actually secure reparations for black people in the next five to seven years. Right. Because remember this, Doc, and to your audience, the white ruling class who make policy every day, public policy and foreign policy. They decide based on not what is human, not what is just, what is fair and equitable to any people. They make political and economic decisions based on will it, number one, enhance or uh, will it enhance or ill affect, number one, their power base, number two, their profit base, number three, 
they're, um, they're policy-based, and number four, they're privilege-based. Mm -hmm. If you understand that, and that's part of the quadruple, that's part of the collective culture model, is understanding the quadruple-based theory, is that this is how the Europeans make the decisions. And can, can I prove that real quick? Yeah, you saw the move $2 trillion in, two, in, in uh, two weeks for the first stimulus package. Why? Because it was ill-affecting their, their profit base. Exactly. The Wall Street bankers and the white ruling class said, wait a minute, we got to do something to stimulate the economy and to make sure that we make sure we undergird and support the multinational corporations. Right. So it wasn't about what was human, what was fair, and what was just. It was based on the fact that it was start, the economy was starting to ill affect their, their profit base. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how they're going to make the decision on reparations. And anyone right. who, who, who does not factor that in and think that you're just going to appeal to the Congress people and their good moral and their good sense and their and their, their humanity, we'd be here another 30 years talking reparations, looking crazy. Right. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And, you know, we, we and, and really, we have not uh, touched the surface of what this work and this study has really done. I really appreciate you coming on and giving us this introductory um, uh, description and, and framework of, of, of how this has to be done. And I think we can definitely take that away from this discussion, is that this is the level at which you must go uh, if we're going to put this uh, process in place. And you have definitely spelled yes, that out. Uh, and I appreciate that. I got one other brother that I wouldn't dare not call on if he has something to say. And then I want you to come back and give out the information about the book. Uh, brother Herbie White, yes. how you doing tonight? Good evening, Dr. Rogers, and to your guests and everyone. Yes, sir. Uh, Good evening, sir. Listening to this show is like a, a, a breath of fresh air. It's even more than that. It's just wonderful Beautiful. listening to these brothers and the work that they've done and the organization that they've uh, put together. And I'm uh, thoroughly encouraged, and I love the work they're doing. Great. And I'm, I'm totally behind what they're doing 100% and everything they said. And right. But when they said that after reparations, there would be separation, I said, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's yes, right. <laughs> well, well, brother, that, that, that's not, our people got to realize when we say that's the premium package of reparations. And at the end of the day, remember now, when the Mormons decided that they want to practice their own culture and be self-determining, self-respecting, and self-defining, and self-developing. What did they do? They went out to Utah and set up. And so if you go there and live there, you got to observe the culture. Right, that's right. You that's gotta, right. That's so right. that's separation, uh, mm -hmm. brother. When, mm -hmm. when, uh, when they decided they were going to set up the illegal uh, colony that they call Israel today, that's separation. And so that's, they've gotten reparations. Uh, they've gotten out our money. And so when you see the native people on reservations, so when we say separation, we're not talking about going anywhere. They, one That's of the right. things that we do in the Declaration, we identify states and territories that will be key for our for our uh, uh, for our reparation, our complete reparation right. package. Right. Okay, I, 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 I'm, a, I'm behind. I'm behind you in separation, one hundred percent. The yes, only sir. thing Absolutely. I hate worse than a white person is two white people. I got you, yes, sir. But but brother, we can well, do we, this because we we have gotten we've gotten training and skills. We got brothers and sisters all over the world, whether it be on the continent of Africa, in the 
Central and South America, the Caribbean, the Isles of the Pacific, here in the United States, we have built nations all over the world for other people, for European people. We can do this for ourselves. We, we got the degrees and everything, but we must first have the knowledge of self and start to build and develop for ourselves because self-respect and people do this all over the world. That's right. That's right. And we can That's do right. this right here in America. We ain't I going see. nowhere. I see. Okay, uh, tell us now, how can our audience get a copy of the uh, the study, uh, Brother Richard? Brother Michael, you want to give them that information, Brother? And uh, just to close out. Just go, yes, sir, just go to the uh, nationalreparationsinstitute.org, nationalreparationsinstitute.org, and you can order the, you'll be able to order the book online, or you can call us at area code 404-855. Five two two three, and you can also order the book there. But it's probably best to go to the website. The website again is National Reparations Institute dot org. All right. All right. Uh, let me add this to it too, uh, Doc. Okay. Um, I'm asking, encouraging your listeners because uh, we're not backed by any corporations. We have not compromised right. or sold out to anyone. And and at the end of the day. We're asking that um, that you you purchase the declaration. You can get it as an ebook, or you can get the mm-hmm. uh, the uh, perfect bound, what they call soft cover book, also. And let me give for those who want it immediately. I'm going to have you. Uh, I'm going to give you a number. You can cash app us within five to seven days. We'll have a copy of the declaration out to you. Please read it, critique it, give us your criticism. But again, we, we what we what we historically have done and been blessed to do is crunch the numbers, not just talk to the uh, the atrocities, but what does rep, complete reparations look like? Uh-huh. And uh, and so we want you to take a look at it, uh, share it with uh, others. But we want you to purchase the book. But that's how we fund the, the continue to fund the research. We're inviting all of you all who would like to be a part of. It. You bring all of those who have been listening, you bring a level of expertise to the table, and we want you to, bottom line, help us out and uh, develop these committees, these nine different committees that we have that will help complete the and give us a complete package of reparations. So, again, uh, if you all who want to order the book directly, cash app us, you can call us at 404-645-0513. Let me give you that again, 404 645 0513 that will get you a copy of the national reparations declaration it is a 54 page um uh, well-documented uh, work uh, that we were blessed to complete and we just released it so if you would uh cash app us doc is it okay to say the price on the oh on no the, uh, go right ahead go right ahead my brother. okay uh-huh. well the the price is uh is 11.95 um 11.95 and then uh add give us a um so a total of $15, that will cover the shipping and handling for us, and we'll get it right out to you within five to seven days on uh, ground. It's coming ground. But if you need to make some special arrangements, call those particular numbers or go to our website, National Reparations uh, Institute, or you can uh, email us at the National Reparations Institute, gmail.com, National Reparations Institute at gmail.com. Please give us your support, and if you're in Atlanta, you want to come by and, and, and help us out. Uh, you want to be a part of this great historic gathering. We're not again. We we, we don't care about as long as you're working on in uh, liberation for Black people. We want you. We need your expertise. We need your insight. 
And um, and again, Dr. Rogers, appreciate you oh, for man. even having us on, brother, and allowing you. us to explain <laughs> what we've done. And we just want to thank you for the work that you have done as a great historian and, and uh, activist uh, who have been in the movement. And you have paved the way for so many of us. And, and we, we're honored to be with you, Doc. And we look forward to you uh, coming out on your major work on, on the uh, um, W.E.B. Du Bois. Right. That's right. That's coming. That's exactly right. Thank you so much, my brother. And, you know, listen, when we had that conversation up there at your, uh, at your headquarters and I told you that Clark Atlanta was the think tank for Du Bois, that's where he created the crisis. Uh, that's where he created the, uh, the Pylon uh, Journal. Uh, you followed in the work of Du Bois. Do you know that? <laughs> you right in line with what he did. <laughs> right in line with what Du Bois was doing. So I guess his spirit rubbed off on you. What area of the campus did he work on? Do you know where he was, uh, where he did most of his stuff? I know it was social Department of Sociology. Is that still around? Is there any tribute to that to him? Brother Reggie? Okay, he might have, might have dropped yeah. off. All right. I think he dropped off, yes, sir. Yeah, okay. All right, my brothers and sisters, thank you. See you next thir- next Tuesday evening. Don't forget our program on Thursday at 6 o'clock uh, Central, 7 o'clock Eastern, Melanin Live. We appreciate you. Have a wonderful, good week. We'll see you next Tuesday. Doc, thank you again. Uh, we got cut off for a minute, but thank you in the audience. We appreciate you and uh, all the guests was on, but please contact us if you have any further questions, concerns, or, or even a critique or criticism. Fantastic. Thank you, my brother. Appreciate you. Thank you all. Assalamu alaikum. Hotel Barigani.